You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. During an interview with Patrick Bet David, Raytheon whistleblower Eric Hecker reveals that he is likely an unwitting asset for the CIA. But you're saying you've never been involved with CIA, you've not done anything with the CIA, that, that's not something you've done in the past before. I have never been directly employed by any of those companies, alphabet agencies, however you want to title them. But having looked backwards, I question the proximity that I was to them. I may have been some sort of unknown asset, but I can tell you that certainly I was involved in peculiar activities 24 hours a day. There were certain clients that could call me 24 hours a day, and these clients would dictate when I met them, what vehicle I showed up with, which mansion we were going to. Are these names we would recognize? Uh, John Tunney was one of them, owner of the Carlisle Group. Familiar with the Carlisle Group? Of course I am, yes. I did a lot of peculiar work for the Carlisle Group and their facilities and their personnel. So to unpack peculiar, peculiar work, what does that mean? I would say that I was set up as some sort of getaway driver. Getaway driver from what? Whatever he was doing in that mansion. Did you ever see anything weird where you're like, this is kind of weird what they're working on? I think I saw that all the time. Through his billionaire handlers, Hecker was sent to Antarctica as a plumber and given full security access. He claims to have seen directed energy weapons that are capable of creating earthquakes and seems unaware of the obvious that he was sent there by his billionaire handlers to do exactly what he's doing now, saying that the government is creating earthquakes. It's interesting to note that even though they happen constantly and are often devastating, there is no official public earthquake reporting. The Dutch Since channel on YouTube stands out as the premier source for up-to-date earthquake information. For over a decade, Michael Janich has been using USGS data made available to the public and reporting on it, kind of like a weatherman for earthquakes and volcanoes. He has successfully predicted several earthquakes over the years, using simple methods he learned from years of observation. Janich has come under fire from government officials in the past, but they have now convinced him to stop. It appears as if the government doesn't want anyone looking into earthquake activity and wants you to think that they are creating them. And maybe they are. But in the late 1940s, the U.S. government discovered evidence of a coming magnetic pole flip. This information was initially classified and was immediately followed by the beginning of the unscientific global warming hoax. The CIA censored the Adam and Eve story by Chan Thomas, which describes cataclysms that cause advanced civilizations to vanish from the earth without a trace. We've covered this subject before in the report, Imminent Cataclysm and the Plan to Survive the Great Reset. And suspicious observers who have been covering this subject for years is saying that we are in it right now. It is important we review the two recent studies confirming that we did have a mini geomagnetic excursion in the middle of the Holocene about 6,000 years ago, first found in China and then confirmed in volcanic flows in Russia. We have added it to the list of officially confirmed excursions in recent history. We do appear to have magnetic changes on the planet every 6,000 years. There are several studies one could look to for the fairly perfect lineup of these geomagnetic changes on Earth with major environmental disasters, including the peaks of species extinction. 
and there's no mystery as to why. The magnetic field of Earth, which protects our planet from space radiation, weakens tremendously in these excursions and becomes misaligned with the poles, leading to major influx of space energy to Earth. NASA scientists and others declared in the year 2000 that we had lost 10% of the magnetic field since the middle of the 1800s, and the ESA Swarm Magnetic Field Mission upgraded that number to 15% in their 2010 mission report and update. 10% lost in 150 years, and then another 5% lost in only a decade. That's serious. And several subsequent studies confirmed that the magnetic field has begun changing faster and faster, all pointing to one inevitable conclusion. The cycle is not only due again, but it's happening. And it doesn't take thousands of years. And no, it's no small matter for the Earth and the creatures that live here. Greg Reese reporting. The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's always an honor and a pleasure to speak to such a distinguished audience. So much news to cover. You know, I did the show last night, Sunday Night Live, and sometimes when you do the show the night before, it's hard to do the show the very next morning because there's not a lot of news between the two programs. But there was just so much going on over the weekend that I didn't even get to half the stack from last night, and so we're going to be hitting that this morning. In news this morning, central bank nemesis Javier Malay wins Argentina's presidential election. Javier Malay, the outsider libertarian candidate with radical solutions to Argentina's economic crisis, has just won Sunday's presidential runoff against economy minister Sergio Massa. And the interesting thing about this is that we see there is this pushback happening internationally against this central banking that we have. I know, of course, in the United States, we have the Federal Reserve as our central bank. We have our fractional reserve banking system. And since we're the global reserve currency, we see that this centralized banking is something that sort of manifests globally. We see the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and we see how these centralized banking approaches without any sort of backing of the currency with these sort of fiat currencies in place manifest economic crises. And when we see economic crises, we actually see people rally together against the political establishment wherever it is, whether it's in Russia, whether it's in Germany, whether it's in the United States, whether it's in Argentina. And what we see with this victory from this eccentric guy is just that we see a populist movement rising up against a political elite, a political establishment, fighting back, declaring liberty and true money, money based on honesty, not based off of this fake fiat currency being advocated for. In a surprise outcome, Massa conceded in a speech to supporters in Buenos Aires on Sunday, even before the official results were released, saying he called Malay to congratulate him on his victory. So he won so handily that his opponent admitted it even before the results were in. The initial results, which were released moments after Massa's concession, show why Malay was the winner, with 87% of the vote counter Malay led Massa 56 to 44%. So it wasn't even close. I mean, anything above 3% is really considered just, you know, a handy win there. And I think this is kind of funny in the context of this sort of side story of this report from 
AP of dogs coming down with mysterious respiratory illness. We see that dogs are getting sick everywhere. And as soon as I saw this, I thought of Malay again because Malay, after all, has cloned his dog five times. <laughs> I was talking about this with the crew last night. After finishing a surprising first in Argentina's presidential primaries in August, this, this article from October 19th of this year in the New York Times, Javier Malay grabbed a microphone in front of a raucous crowd and thanked Conan Murray, Milton, Robert, and Lucas. But who are they? Well, they're his four-legged children, but they're not actually different dogs. They are all the same dog. I believe it costs about $50,000 per clone. And he loves his dog so much that he's just found a way to ensure that his dog never really has to die. He could just keep cloning it. Mr. Malay, a far-right libertarian who is, in the, who is the favorite, of course, now the winner in Argentina's presidential election on Sunday, Head to the country's presidential offices, the Casa Rosada, not with a spouse and children, but with five mastiffs he has long called his children. He is, of course, speaking figuratively. Technically speaking, however, those five dogs are not traditional offspring of any animal. They are genetic copies of Mr. Malay's former dog, also named Conan, and were created in a laboratory in upstate New York. Absolutely hysterical. I don't think I've ever seen a leader so eccentric as this Malay. I'm very excited to see how his policies manifest in Argentina in the years to come. Speaking of offspring, however, we do have some new reports coming in that Yer Netanyahu, this is Bibi Netanyahu's son, is outraging everyone for his criticism of the IDF and high court. Yer Netanyahu, the son of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, sparked backlash Saturday night when he posted content on his Telegram channel criticizing the IDF, the courts, and the media coinciding with his father's press conference. So Israel can't even really get its own people on the same team pertaining to this conflict going on between Israel and Palestine. And I know that Palestine isn't really a state. Technically, it's not officially recognized as a state. But for the sake of conversation, for the sake of reporting, it's much easier to refer to it as Palestine other than those in the West Bank, those in the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians. It doesn't even really make sense. So I just refer to anybody who is of opposition, either in the West Bank or Gaza, as Palestine. And we see that Israel is conflicted about the nature of this conflict. Not to be redundant there on the use of terms, but there is a conflict internally going on between what is right and what is wrong. We see that the Israelis, a lot of the citizens, are seeing some of the injustices being done in the Gaza Strip, and they are responding with backlash. And no one is supporting Hamas for what it did on October 7th. No one is saying that Hamas was justified in targeting and killing indiscriminately up to 1,200 civilians. No one is on the side of Hamas or terrorism or radical extremist Islamist terrorism. But at the same token, the reason terrorists exist is because they're responding to some sort of political top-down mechanism that has oppressed them. And I don't like to use the word oppressed versus oppressor because it comes from Marxism in large. But the fact of the matter is terrorists don't just come falling out of the sky. Terrorists don't just manifest out of some sort of spontaneous evil concoction. It's not like, poof, all of a sudden evil is there. After all, we had to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge in order to be evil ourselves. And so something must have happened. Something must happen if we're going to explain what's going on with terrorism worldwide. And you can look at what we did with installing the Shah in 1979 in Iran as the first sort of catalyst to these extremist groups being funded by Iran. We can see that Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS all were sort of indirectly funded and propped up and catalyzed by the actions of the United States. And we're seeing the same thing happen within the Gaza Strip and within the West Bank. We're seeing that Israel's actions since 1948 have created, engendered, and inspired a certain form of terrorism. 
After all, we take call after call on this network of people calling in saying, why is it that we aren't standing up and taking our country back? Why is it that we haven't come together, that we haven't exercised our Second Amendment, that we haven't overthrown the corrupt among us and established order back in this country again? And the reason is things have to get really, 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 really bad before anybody's going to get organized to do anything radical like that. It doesn't just spontaneously happen, and that's what we're seeing with these radical groups. It's not like a bunch of guys just got together and said, hey, let's raise hell just for fun. It's not like joining Motley Crue in the 80s just to have a good time. This is something that happens after there's significant political pressure for a long period of time. And so whether you think Israel's right or whether you think the Palestinians are right is sort of moot because... When push comes to shove, we know that there's been enough of a dispute over a long enough period of time with enough political pressure to catalyze these groups. And the likes of Yer Netanyahu and others within Israel are starting to see how that might have happened, how maybe the IDF might be responsible in some way because of this, how after you snipe innocent people at protests, maybe you're going to create more terrorists. Or if you carpet bomb an entire region, maybe you're going to create more terrorists or If you allow a terrorist attack to happen on your own people as a black flag operation in order to garner international support to annex an entire region, maybe you're going to have a little bit of internal conflict in your country with people actually saying, hey, wait a minute, where were you on October 7th for six hours while we were being attacked? How did you possibly not know that this was going to happen, given that it was the 50th year anniversary of Yom Kippur and you were warned about it? How did you not know it was going to happen given that these people had American weapons left behind seemingly intentionally in Afghanistan two years prior? How did you not know it was going to happen when for two years this event was being planned? How did you not know it was going to happen when Iran funded Hamas and supported Hamas and trained Hamas in this endeavor? Of course you knew it was going to happen. So you're going to have Israelis who aren't thinking very kindly, who aren't very inspired or encouraged by the actions of their own government when after all this terrorist event happened, yes, because of the evil of Hamas, but also with the permission of Israel because they knew it was coming and they allowed it to happen. We're going to cut to break. We'll come back on the other side with more news. In the meantime, visit InfoWarsStore.com. The InfoWars Store Black Friday special has arrived, up to 60% off and free shipping, plus Double Patriot points. Ladies and gentlemen, the annual Black Friday event at InfoWars Store has arrived, and we're bringing you a huge roster of sales, including recently restocked best-selling items at up to 60% off. In addition to those savings, we are offering free store-wide shipping and double Patriot points, 60% off of products including BrainForce Plus, BrainForce Ultra, 50% off Real Red Pill Plus, Greens Fiber Capsules, Down and Out Sleep Support, and 40% off so many other products here listed on the promotion. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason we're still on the air and invest in yourself this holiday season. Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of the society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. 
This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself for the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. The most powerful InfoWars life formula yet. DNA Force Plus is now back in stock for 25% off while supplies last. This elite formula contains the most cutting-edge enzymes, potent antioxidants, and traditional naturally occurring ingredients to protect the vitality of your very DNA. The powerhouse ingredients in DNA Force Plus include PQQ, CoQ10, organic reishi mushroom, astrologus root, rhodiola root, and an array of even more incredible antioxidants and extracts carefully chosen to help support healthy heart function while promoting energy production down to the cellular level. Provide your cells and DNA with the protection they need and try a bottle of DNA Force Plus today for 25% off or for an additional 10% off, grab the combo pack with DNA Force Plus and body's whole support. These offers and so much more are only available at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. So much going on. We're going to run clips one, two, three, and four back to back, but you can keep them muted. I'm going to talk over them. In relation to this Zero Hedge article that we have here on the desk, Cheney Kinsinger and Sham J6 committee are under fire after Friday footage dump. GOP senator calls for investigation. You can see ever since Friday's release of more than 40,000 hours of January 6th Capitol Police security video, dozens of clips debunking the January 6th committee's violent insurrection narrative have been floating around X. So this is something good that Speaker Johnson has done. We see that he's released 40,000 hours of footage pertaining to January 6th. And we see that January 6th in large was a very peaceful protest, a very peaceful demonstration with people being escorted all throughout the Capitol on that day. Seemingly invited in, doors opened, escorts being had by these Capitol police officers sort of ushering people around, keeping people between the velvet ropes. We had a couple of clips like this for years now since the actual event happened. But now we've got 40,000 hours of footage, and we still see the likes of Liz Cheney posting on her Twitter account instances of violence. But now it begs the question, were all of the instances of violence just incited by deep state operatives that were on the ground? Were all of these just agents that were sort of catalyzing this conflict, catalyzing this event, inciting this violence, encouraging people to break through barricades, break down barriers, intimidate police officers to the point of being gassed. And it seems to me that the vast majority, if not all of the true Trump supporters involved in this conflict, in this controversial event that was called later an insurrection, were actually just peaceful protesters that wanted their voice heard on the day of the vote to certify the election that wanted to make sure that their voice was heard, that their leaders knew that they didn't believe that this election was legitimate. And it does beg the question, was this entire January 6th committee hearing obnoxious crap 
basically just a sham? And I think the answer is abundantly, overwhelmingly, most obviously, yes, it was a sham. It was a political sting operation. It was Hollywood produced. It was used as a propaganda tool to undermine the integrity of the MAGA movement, the populist movement, which is the greatest threat to the American political class. The political establishment, as we know it, the corrupt among us, either on the right or the left, who seek to maintain or perpetuate or expand their power indefinitely, regardless of whether or not it's in the interest of the American people. That's why we see so much antagonism toward Trump from the political class and yet so much support for Trump from the American class. Because after all, Trump is going after them. He is coming after them out of a sincere affection, apparently, for the American people. A sincere love for hardworking people who seek to transcend class norms, who seek to Go from lower class to middle class, from middle class to upper class. You seek to start small businesses, provide for their families, be independent of the government, have their own freedoms. We see a true love from Donald Trump for this class of American people. And that's why the political class hates him so much. That's why the Cheneys and the Kingingers and the Adam Schiffs and the like all hate him so much because he poses the greatest threat there could possibly be against the political class, against those who seek to tax the hell out of all Americans, fund programs and initiatives that the Americans actually have no need for, and then get the kickback in their stock portfolios on their investments. We know that Dan Crenshaw and Nancy Pelosi are famous for investing in stocks, using their insider knowledge, and getting the returns for those investments. And that's why you don't see a whole lot of love and support for Donald Trump from the likes of those. You don't see a lot of true, genuine affection coming from this political class for Donald Trump. And that's why I'm voting for him. I'm voting for him because everybody who seems to hate America the most is coming after Donald Trump the hardest. They hate him so much. And I think it's it's a combination of envy and just, just hate or disgust for the American people. I honestly think that some of these politicians, when they look at the struggling American people, they just feel disgusted. I think it's because they are feeling this aversion out of their own sort of subconscious guilt for how terrible they've been as leaders. The more pathetic they see the American people do, the more disgusted with the American people they are because the more disgusted with themselves they become. They realize that the reason San Francisco was trashed for years and years and years and years and they could clean it up in one day as they did last week is because their leadership has failed, not because the American people have failed. They realize that the reason 10 million people have stormed across the border is not because the American people have failed, but because they have failed. They realize that the reason 100,000 Americans die every year of an overdose is not because the American people have failed. It's because the political class has failed. So every ill we have, every trouble we have, whether it's a overturned train, a derailed train in East Palestine, or whether it's 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate missing from a train going from Wyoming to California, it all falls on the lap of this political class. Every failure, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Israel versus Palestine, whether it's any of these international conflicts, whether it's our issues with China and the United States internationally, it all stems from the corruption and the lies and the failures of our political class, our representatives who we elect to represent our interests and who repeatedly fail to do so without any sort of accountability or backlash from the American people.
And so when somebody finally holds him to the fire and says, look, it's your fault that we're having these problems. It's your fault that we're struggling so deeply as a nation. They hate it so much. They are so disgusted because that means that every campaign criticism they've ever uttered has actually been an indictment of their own corruption and their own evil. They realize that it all comes back to them. Everything they've ever said, every criticism they've ever had, when push comes to shove, and the truth, the fact of the matter is, it's all their fault. And so that's why the right and the left alike come after him. That's why we see this sort of little minion army of DeSantis bots coming after Trump right and left as hard as they can, even though DeSantis has virtually no chance whatsoever of winning at all. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think he was a great governor. I think he still is a great governor, even though he hasn't really been governoring, given that he's been focused so much on his election. But there's no doubt about it. He did a great job in Florida. There's a reason he won overwhelmingly in Florida. But his campaign has been so utterly embarrassing that he's got no chance of winning now. And he might not even be able to recover in 2028 for an election bid. I mean, it has been so embarrassing how stupid his campaign has been. You don't attack a stronger enemy head on. And that's exactly what they did. They went after what most Americans feel is our last hope directly and just bashed and bashed and criticized and criticized and <laughs> as an outcome of that, they've alienated half of the, the right wing against them. DeSantis now is perceived as a villain, probably unjustly so. He's perceived as such a villain because his campaign was handled so incompetently. And he's going to get what he paid for. He's going to get exactly what he paid for. He's going to get the animosity, the alienation, and the despite the despising of the American people for an extended time to come. And I'm not saying that it's fair to him, but... If he can't handle his own campaign, if he can't organize his own campaign, then how is it that we expect him to lead the White House? Well, frankly, we don't expect him to lead the White House at all, and the polls show that he's not going to lead the White House at all. We've got Biden's approval rating reaching a record low of 40%, according to new polls. We've got other clips, too, from several different mainstream news outlets interviewing focus groups showing the same thing. If anyone has a chance to win in this country, it's Donald Trump. More on the other side, folks. Stick with us. Visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. Please listen closely because this is life-changing critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12 Ultra 12, a bestseller, finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at InfoWarsStore.com. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Get your Ultra 12 and other great products and for 40% off. Some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. 
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We're going to start out with clip 23, which is Ruggin calling out The Rock. We were going over last segment how basically no one has any chance of winning except for Donald Trump at this point, either really on the right or the left. And we're seeing this begin to manifest in some of the mainstream media and pop culture programs that we're watching. Let's go ahead and start with clip 23 of Rogan and The Rock. When I was a kid, you could have a Republican friend. Like, it, it was no big deal. <laughs> yes, yes. It's no big deal. Like, oh, Bobby likes George Bush. Of Who course. cares? Who gives right. a f- you know, you were a supporter of Bill Clinton. He liked George Bush. Nobody cared. Nobody liked you. You yeah. know, it wasn't like you're a Nazi. Like, I'm a, what am I, I'm a Nazi. I just want lower taxes. That's <laughs> what the f*** are you talking saying? about? How did I become a Nazi? Dude, it's, a, it's the craziest thing. I have friends who support Trump. I have friends who support Biden. I have friends. Do you really have friends who support Biden? I do. Come <laughs> well, on. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what I do. I have, I have friends. Thank you. That's a good check because that's important. <laughs> this is important context. They support the Democratic Party. I have friends who are loyal to the party. Yes. And it's true. The only reason to vote for Trump, excuse me, the only reason to vote for Biden it was out of loyalty to the party. After all, in 2020, nobody actually voted for Biden. They simply voted against Donald Trump. And it was all because of the PSYOP that was this COVID pandemic. It was all because everything that Trump stood on, the strength of the economy, our freedoms being expanded, was basically undermined during the whole year of 2020. And people forgot how good the first three years were. But now they're starting to remember. Let's take a look at clip 11 of Bill Maher talking about how terrible Biden is. Remember, this is Bill Maher. This is traditionally a leftist program. And it's not just a Joe Rogan podcast where we're seeing this lack of support for Joe Biden. It's also happening on these left-wing outlets. So let's go ahead and run clip 11. Okay, what do you think of prominent Democrats like David Axelrod calling for Biden to, quote, get out or get going? Did he say that? Get out or get going? Uh, I believe in the tweet or two and some stuff. Look, mm, people who think that Joe Biden is, is, is perhaps too old, they are right. Perhaps. <laughs> spill the water, something might come out of it. Um, <laughs> it's not that. And, you know, everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said, and, I've... and, you know, so, so Betty White lived to be 99. No. Mick Jagger is still twisting his ass. Mr. Right. No, I've been the one making that case year after year here against ageism. I always said it's a case-by-case basis. It's but, a case-by-case. But case. for that argument to have teeth, it all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before. Do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old. And perception is reality. I'm sorry. So it's not just talk show hosts either. We see in clip five that MSNBC is melting down over a poll showing Trump beating Biden in 2024. And then we'll go into a Fox News clips just straight after that. Let's just run five and six back to back. But these major media outlets are starting to recognize that they are in a crisis. This is the case to be made for why the Democrats want somebody else to come in and replace Biden. Go ahead and run five and six back to back. Here it is. Donald Trump, we have at 46 percent. Biden, 44. 
And this is significant because this is the first time in the history of our poll that former President Trump beats President Biden still within the margin of error, but still significant. Yeah, it's 2019, 2020, when Trump was president, he trailed all of them. This year, he's trailed all of them in our poll. First time in more than a dozen polls, we've seen a result like this. Some of the other ingredients that go into that, Biden has long had an advantage over Trump on likability. Look, at the start of this year, 39% said they had a positive view of Biden, barely 30 of Trump. We've seen consistently a gap like this. Now, the gap is gone. Mm. 36 positive on both, and actually Biden, one point more negative than Trump. That's been a significant advantage for Biden. Our poll says that advantage, at least for now, may be gone. And we talked about younger voters on foreign policy, and it's true on a host of other topics. Disaffected with Joe Biden, we have 46 percent for Trump, 42 percent for Biden among the youngest voters. The youngest voters in the 2020 election were Biden plus 26. This could be a massive sea change. And if you take a look here, too, all, everybody sort of says, hey, I'm not too nuts about the possibility of this matchup. So we said, let's measure this one way. And here's how we did it. Biden against an unnamed Republican. This is just a referendum on Biden, basically. And look at this. He goes from being in a, a dogfight with Trump to being double digits wow. behind. But then flip it around. Trump against an unnamed Democrat. Trump goes from leading against Biden to being down by six points against the Democrat. Just a fascinating look at the state of the race with just a little under a year to go. Steve Kornacki, great stuff. Thank you Thanks. so much for being here. To have a little bit of time to frankly get involved. We want to ask people who they want to be the next president of the United mm -hmm. States, of the people who are possibilities, okay, who are out there, possibilities. Raise your hands if you're for Donald Trump. Very, very good. There's a few people who aren't in the front. You hold out. You hold out. You're not 100%. Um, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Oh. There's a clap. Two, two hands and a clap. One, two, okay. Three. Joseph Biden. Oh, come on. <laughs> not even a how not about, even a wheeze. How about Nikki Haley? Yes. A lot of people are looking at Nikki Haley now. How about Nikki Haley? Show of hands. Nikki Haley? There's oh, a half a hand. So there you have it. The results are in, folks. Nobody wants Biden, and Donald Trump is far and away the leader in the Republican candidacy. The Republican primary. We're going to run clip eight in a second of Colorado Secretary of State blasting the court ruling allowing Trump on the ballot because we've seen this initiative among Democrats and Republicans alike to try to get Donald Trump off of the ballot in, in key swing states. They want to use these convictions or these trials, these accusations, these persecutions, these prosecutions as an excuse to get him off the ballot. So even though he's by far the most popular candidate, he's still not going to be able to get elected. And they seem to be failing time and time again. Hopefully the Trump campaign can continue to win cases like the one in Colorado. Let's see how they freak out in this meltdown by this off-brand Pam from the office in clip number eight. You said to me then, which literally almost every secretary uh, of state in the country to whom NBC has spoken said, that you're likely not going to be the last voice on this thing. You can do what you may think you need to do, but this is definitely going to the courts. So that's what happened in, in Colorado. It went to the courts, and lots of people are surprised by what happened yesterday. Are you? Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Allie. Always great to be on your show. And yes, this is a surprising ruling. Uh, I, I think you are, are really hitting it on the head. The idea that 
any official who would engage in insurrection would be barred from taking office except the presidency is incredibly surprising. That basically means that the presidency is a get-out-of-jail-free card for insurrection. As someone who cares deeply about the state of our democracy, I find that very troubling. The American people need to know that the president, the person, if anybody, the person most in charge of protecting the Constitution actually has a duty to do so. So I'm right there with you. I find it very troubling that the president of the United States could engage in insurrection and, unlike everybody else, could then be president again. Yeah. So we see off-brand Pan there just kind of griping on television. This all in the context of this new breaking story. The Media Matters caught rigging the X results to deceive advertisers. Elon Musk preps a thermonuclear lawsuit. We're going to cover this more in the next segment. We're coming up on a break here soon. But left-leaning outlet Media Matters has been caught creating accounts on the social media platform X to create false impressions on their misleading hit piece against Elon Musk. Musk was quoted as saying on Twitter, on X, This week, Media Matters for America posted a story that completely misrepresented the real user experience on X and another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers, said Musk in a Saturday statement. We'll get more into this in the next segment because this is a big story. It deserves a segment in and of itself. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason that we are still on the air and check out the InfoWars Store Black Friday special, which has arrived up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points, folks. Get 60% off BrainForce Plus, BrainForce Ultra, 50% off other products, 40% off others, and 25% off the rest today. Thanksgiving 2023 is here. And I'm giving Thanksgiving for all we've done against tyranny and your incredible support together in this fight. And I'm particularly giving Thanksgiving that X2, our number one product, the only true atomic iodine on the market after a year plus of being sold out, is finally back in stock, ready to ship now. If you don't know the power of X2 and the iodine conspiracy, you are insane. Get X2 now. It could be the last run ever we get shut down. While you still can, at InfoWarsStore.com. Research iodine deficiency and billions of people with cognitive disabilities because they don't have it. X2, X2, X2 is now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Takes a few weeks to kick in, but it is the building block to everything. It's the missing link. They bomb us with the fluoride that is in the same family, but has the opposite effect. This is the holy grail of supplements and empowering yourself. X2, back in stock right now. Discount at InfoWarsStore.com. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have the communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. 
listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We've got this new breaking story that Media Matters has caught rigging X results to deceive advertisers. And Elon Musk is prepping a thermonuclear lawsuit. This from Jack Poso. Breaking Media Matters created accounts and gamed the X server to create false impressions for their article. This isn't journalism. This is a hoax. Of course, earlier this week, Musk said this week, Media Matters for America posted a story that completely misrepresented the real user experience on X and another attempt to undermine freedom of speech and mislead advertisers, said Musk in a Saturday statement. Finally, Musk outlined X has seen a number of attacks from activist groups like Media Matters and legacy media outlets who seek to undermine freedom of expression on our platform because they perceive it as a threat to their ideological narrative and those of their financial supporters. He said these rogue groups are trying to use their influence to attack our revenue streams by deceiving advertisers on X. So what's really going on here, folks? What's really the story? The fact of the matter is X is the only platform that has any sort of modicum of freedom of speech with the amount of reach that it has. I know that Getter has some freedom of speech. I know Gab has some freedom of speech. But by far and away, X is the largest actual mainstream, considered mainstream platform that has similar policies in terms of freedom of speech to these alternative sort of rogue platforms. And as a result of this, the intelligence community feels that it's under great threat. The intelligence community realizes, the political class realizes that They no longer have a monopoly over the narrative in this country. They can't control the mainstream media outlets and all the big tech outlets anymore together like they did since 2001, since basically Project Mockingbird in the 1950s. And this poses a great threat. This is the reason that a lot of the propaganda war between Israel and Palestine has been lost because, after all, if X were still Twitter, if it had still its board of directors and was not owned by Elon Musk, I guarantee you today there would be universal support for Israel and we would be seeing nothing from the likes of Gaza regarding the death of innocent civilians in the region due to the carpet bombing. We just wouldn't see it. It'd be shut down. The intelligence community would be reaching out, banning accounts, suspending accounts. They'd have new policies about violence on the platform and not showing violent content on the platform. And they'd use that as an excuse to eradicate all of these videos that we see of countless children being carpet bombed in Gaza. And they know that this freedom of speech thing is really a pain in the butt for those who try to control the narrative and catalyze international war time and time again for whatever end They deem fit, whether it's in the name of national security by some sick understanding that protecting the global reserve status of the U.S. dollar is going to be better for the world than not being able to do so. And so that's the justification for eradicating innocent life to some degree. Or whether it's just the fact that the political class wants to control the narrative to ensure that they can stay in power and perpetuate their own power indefinitely. But we see what's happening here is this constant attack on Musk personally and on X as a platform. And it's coming from the likes of Media Matters. It's coming from these leftist organizations. It's coming from the ADLs of the world. We hear reports of increased examples of anti-Semitism and hate speech on the platform, but there's no single instance 
of where this hate speech is actually being cited. There's no examples actually given of where this hate speech is coming from, of what hate speech is being referred to. They just claim that there's been a dramatic increase. They throw some statistic out there as a way to slander or liable Musk and his platform. And it doesn't seem to be true. And now we see that they're coming after him and they're gaming the system to get more impressions for their articles. So they're publishing these articles. They're creating fake accounts. They're replying to the article with the fake accounts. And the algorithm is picking up that there's a lot of replies for this article. So then it goes viral, but it's all artificial. It's a lie. It's gaming the system in order to boost this narrative, which is a lie. We saw that after Musk first acquired Twitter and turn it into X, as many as 90%, as much as 90% of their advertising revenue plummeted. And they've gotten a lot of that back since they hired this new sort of leftist CEO who is sort of on a leash but in charge of increasing advertiser revenue. They have been building back revenue consistently for months, and now they're at a point where they're making money Basically, for the first time in the history of Twitter itself, it's actually profitable. And that's when these attacks come again. That's when you start seeing visits from Bibi Netanyahu two weeks before a massive terrorist attack with Elon Musk to talk about anti-Semitism on the platform. That's when you see these other shows like The View or these leaders like AOC and others say that hate speech is a real problem on the platform and that there's no room for hate. That's when you see these announcements from the CEO that there's no room for hate on the platform. You see this whole entire sort of campaign against X and Elon Musk stating that hate speech is some sort of a problem on the platform when there's not really any specific example of where hate speech has grown on the platform at all. They're just making it up. And then they come out with these articles saying that there's an anti-Semitism problem or that advertisements are appearing in anti-Semitic posts. And we see that what they did was they just went through every anti-Semitic post and tried to find an example of an advertisement being placed there. They took screenshots and then they emailed them in droves, likely using bots, to these advertisers to startle or frighten these advertisers into pulling revenue away from X. What they're trying to do is tear down this platform so Musk is forced to either close it down or sell it so that it becomes public again, so that it can be compromised again by the intelligence community. Because after all, we know that the vast majority of cybersecurity infiltration happens on a human-to-human basis. It's not some guy sitting behind a computer typing rapidly, trying to get through with a virus or some sort of code or program that's sophisticated. The vast majority of hacking that takes place is somebody making a phone call or somebody infiltrating an organization that way. And so when a company goes public, it's required by law to have a board of directors. And when you have a board of directors, those are more points of vulnerability for a security compromise. That's when the intelligence community comes in. All right, it says we can get this board member, we can get that board member, or we can place one of our own guys in as a board member here. Peter Thiel has been great for us here, so let's try to get him on the board here. That's when you start to see the compromise. And then as soon as you see a board of directors running these companies, that's when you start to see this leftist narrative, this deep state narrative perpetuate the policies of the platform. That's when you see things like, okay, we believe in freedom of speech, but you can't say this. We believe in freedom of expression, but you can't say this. We believe in free speech, but you can't talk negatively about the vaccines, or you can't claim that the virus came from the Wuhan lab, or you can't claim that the 2020 election was rigged. That's when you see these leftist political narratives come through. That's when you start to see the fact checkers come through, even though the fact checkers are Reuters and the board member of Reuters was a former board board member of Pfizer at the same time. So there's obvious conflicts of interest here that we've seen time and time again. We obviously know that all the censorship is corrupt 
After all, we know that a lie can't live in the face of truth, so censorship really just helps lies because it censors either intentionally or inadvertently the truth. And this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to bully and harass and in a corrupt sort of deep state fashion, shut down this platform because it poses the greatest threat to their agenda. And let me ask you this. If the greatest threat to our political class's agenda, whether you perceive the political class as our politicians themselves or the deep state or the intelligence community itself, if the greatest threat to their agenda is freedom of speech, then what does that say about them? Honestly, think about that for a minute. What does it say about our intelligence community or our politicians if the greatest perceived threat to their agenda is freedom of speech? Because to me, what that says is these people are trash, they're evil, they're built on lies, they're built on deception, and they're absolutely corrupt. Because nobody who actually advocates freedom of speech, nobody who actually advocates having the truth on their side, nobody who speaks from a place of truth actually wants to censor the lie. You don't see people on the right, you do sometimes and it's sick, but you rarely see people on the right advocate for the arrest of protesters or the censorship of the left or the silencing of the left. We don't see people on the right saying, take Ibram X. Kendi's Twitter account down because it's racist. I'm sure you can find, you can nitpick examples of people making that mistake and saying that, but I've never advocated to take Ibram X. Kendi down from Twitter. I think that everything he says is trash. I think that anti-racism is racism against white people. I think he's an evil, sick man who mines money out of people on this hoax, this baloney that is his anti-racism platform. But I would never say take him down. Let him speak. Let him make a fool of himself. I had Nick Fuentes on this very show. I don't agree with everything Nick Fuentes said. I spent the entire interview allowing him to answer questions honestly because I wanted the world to see what he really had to say about controversial issues. People are like, oh, you didn't push back hard enough. I don't have to push back. Just let the guy speak. You guys can push back in the replies. At least when I talk to him, you can hear what he actually has to say as opposed to reading an article on Media Matters about him that's not really true, that's mischaracterizing what he says, as opposed to reading an article on any of these other leftist platforms about him that mischaracterizes what he has to say. At least on InfoWars, you get to see what the man has to say. I'm not asking you to agree with it. I'm not putting him up on a platform or a pedestal. I'm not celebrating everything he says. But you know from him what he thinks about controversial issues because the truth is out. Because there isn't censorship. So if we want to get to the bottom of good versus evil in this world, we have to have freedom of speech. And that's why we have to fight for X. Stick with us, folks. Be the reason we're still on the air fighting for freedom of speech. Head of Wars.com. Sleepless nights seem to be a lot more common these days with everything that's going on both at home and the world at large. If you're having trouble getting to that deep sleep we could all use more of, our new sleep support formula, Down and Out, is just the thing. It's our new faster-absorbing liquid formula that is specifically designed to help you get the shut-eye you deserve. Formulated to improve upon our best-selling product, Knockout, with Down and Out, now the herbs and melatonin packed inside are extracted directly into the glycerin solution. So the ingredients are already dissolved into the formula before you even take it. One of the other sleep support herbs included is the passion flower, which was traditionally used by Native Americans like the Cherokees, who used it for its relaxing qualities. Be sure to take this product when you are completely ready for sleep, because you will be down and out. Selling out now at InfoWarsStore.com. Beat of a nation. 
Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take a fare. Back here in the Valley and on Capitol Hill, major gaps in regulations are allowing clandestine labs like the one in Reedley to operate. And these pose as a threat to the country. That's the bottom line from a report released today by a congressional committee. The Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party released the 42-page report shortly after holding a hearing about the lab Wednesday. We learned the owner of the lab, Jia Beizhu of China, had a warrant for his arrest in Canada. This was after he had been slapped with a $330 million judgment for stealing intellectual property from companies in Canada and the U.S. The report says Zhu then entered the U.S. illegally and used a new name. David He. It found He opened labs by simply getting a business license and bought pathogens including Ebola, malaria, SARS and HIV virtually unchecked. If a country was threatening us, um, like China, what better way to, to create havoc than to be able to spread through private labs all sorts of infectious diseases. I mean, we saw how unprepared we were to deal with the COVID. My gosh. As we've reported extensively, a code enforcement officer for the city of Ridley discovered the lab's activities late last year. She immediately reached out to the CDC for help, but the report faults the CDC for refusing to help, let alone testing biological material found in refrigerators and freezers. We need to make sure that the CDC and other federal actors have the tools, the authorities they need to proactively make sure that something like this Reedley situation doesn't occur. And of course, when called upon, that we don't hear from local officials that um, their assistance wasn't rendered uh, promptly. We need to produce legislation to change this. We need safeguards on these pathogens. It should not be so freely be able to purchase um, on the internet. How deadly that could be to the rest of this country. The report also discovered the lab owner was receiving unexplained payments from banks in China, totaling $1.3 million over a short period of time. It found he was taking the money while also selling counterfeit pregnancy and COVID test kits that came from China but claim to be made in America. And it's those misbranded tests that now have him facing federal charges. A Beiju remains in Fresno County Jail on a federal hold, and he is due in a federal courtroom right here in Fresno tomorrow. Well, there you have it, folks. Just another example of why freedom of speech should be practiced as a value, as a virtue, should be enforced on the internet because after all we know that during the last election cycle any accusations that this virus came from a Wuhan lab was met with criticism met with accusations then back of racism saying that somehow it was anti-Chinese to claim that this virus came from a Wuhan lab a lot of videos countless videos thousands upon thousands of hours of content were taken down from YouTube as a result of policies censoring the likes of stories just like that regarding Wuhan lab. And now we see that the chai have infiltrated the United States in more ways than one. We see that they're infiltrating us now. We see that they're having and practicing and exercising these labs on our own soil with dangerous pathogens in our own country. And I doubt anyone will be held accountable 
despite the fact that our politicians are having relationships with people like Fang Fang, despite the fact that Gavin Newsom is clearing the streets of San Francisco for Xi Jinping, or Biden is ordering service members to hold up the CCP's flag while greeting Xi Jinping. No one's going to be held accountable for this. I guess that spy might get in trouble. That spy might actually face some time behind bars. But that's a small price to pay for either administration, given the fact they're both totally culpable in all of the ills that we face as a nation. So this Chinese threat is real. They are no friend of the United States. They want this conflict in Israel to happen. They want to ensure that the IMET corridor can't be built so that they can have the monopoly over trade they want through the Belt and Road Initiative. More news on the other side. We'll be tracking why Western women are converting to Islam in droves. Make sure you stick with us and visit InfoWarsStore.com. The reason we are still on the air. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. We are going to run clip 24 here in a second, this SNL skit that comes to mind when I'm reading this story here. Story from the FB.com. Why Western women are converting to Islam. It took Megan Rice just three weeks to go from first opening the Quran to professing her belief that Muhammad is the one true messenger of God. Quote, it just seems the Palestinians have this ironclad faith even in the face of losing quite literally everything. So she was inspired by their show of faith. Started in response to the Hamas attack on October 7th. That's where her journey toward the religion all started. She told her followers on November 2nd. And Rice is among a new swath of TikTok users, typically non-Arab, left-leaning Western women, so Marxists, who believe in oppressor versus oppressed, who believe in things like being born naturally one gender, psychologically, though biologically another. They consider themselves reverts to Islam based on the belief that all people are born on a natural path to Islam and therefore revert rather than convert to the religion. It seems very similar to this trans ideology. Let's go ahead and run clip 24. Well, this is it. You need any help with your bag? No, that's all right. I got it. How about some walking around money? Dad, it's okay. Okay, just uh, make sure to... Call you when I get there? I know. Yeah. You know, um, you could stay home and do another year of high school. (laughs) Very funny, Dad. (laughs) Well, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll see you. Hey, Dad. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Got it, kiddo. <sighs> Looks like your ride's here. <laughs> you be careful, okay? Dad, it's just ISIS. <laughs> Take care of her. Isis. We'll take it from here, Dad. 
Unbelievable. And it ends up being so true. I mean, this is the phenomenon that we're seeing with this TikTok movement. We see these trendy Gen Zers or millennials. They get down a rabbit hole similar to the flat earthers. And suddenly they're brainwashed into believing this totally illogical, irrational argument just because the algorithm throws them into this loop where it's cool to be a transgender person or it's cool to be Muslim now. It's basically anything that the prior generation looked down upon is now what is interesting to this generation. I guess that's a manifestation of being lied to. I guess when you've been lied to time and time again by a generation or a political class, then as a youth, you start to entertain these ideas that are the opposite of whatever the narrative tells you. And oftentimes that's correct. That's a good approach, but then they take it too far. I mean, we saw last week these instances of people reading the letter from Osama bin Laden, which I believe The Guardian had to take down after it had been published for 20 years because so many people were coming out and saying that Osama bin Laden was right. And we've said on this network before, I've certainly said on this show before that terrorism doesn't just come falling out of the sky, for lack of a better expression, because it seems to be falling out of the sky in every instance <laughs> it happens, whether it's airplanes flying into buildings or paratroopers literally falling out of the sky. But it comes from some sort of political pressure. It comes from things like installing the Shah in 1979 in Iran. It comes from things like committing sanctions and injustices over and over again in these foreign regions. You, you catalyze, you create these radical opposition groups. And then what happens is a generation of people realizes the lies that our government tells. It realizes that, wait, maybe 9-11 was a little bit more complicated than the official 9-11 report. Maybe we actually knew it was going to happen and let it happen. Maybe Israel was involved because they wanted us in the Middle East. Or maybe the reason we haven't seen the classified documents pertaining to the JFK assassination is because maybe Israel had something to do with it because JFK was against the nuclear proliferation in the region. And so rather than just saying, hey, Islam and the sort of political class in America are both evil because we're stuck in this sort of idiot mindset that it's always good versus evil because Hollywood has convinced us because the mainstream narrative has convinced us that everything that ever happens is oppressor versus oppressed and therefore good versus evil. We, we can't look at any gray scenario where there's a little bit of evil on both sides. And so if America lied about 9-11, then that means the terrorists were right. And they were justified into flying into these buildings. It's like, no, the terrorists weren't right by killing 3,000 innocent people. They might have been right having some grievances with the United States. But do you think that that was right, what they did? Or if you read Ted Kaczynski's work, he does a brilliant job in his book, in his manifesto, laying out all of the problems with the political class. He lays out every ail that we face as a society. He goes through and documents with a succinct, reasonable argument how screwed up everything it is and why it's all screwed up. But then his solution was to do like a random bombing. It's like you can be right about the problem and wrong about the solution. So it's not clearly good versus evil. Obviously what Ted Kaczynski did in that instance was evil. He was right about the problem, evil about the solution, definitely lacking a conscience. And so these radicals, these extremists, these Palestinians, whether it's Hamas or whether it's ISIS or whether it's Osama bin Laden, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, what have you, whether it's any of these groups, oftentimes they are right in their criticisms of the United States. Oftentimes they are right in their criticisms of Israel. But that doesn't mean that the right thing to do in response to that is to fly into a festival and just start slaughtering innocent 20-year-olds 
Are you kidding me? And so I don't understand. Maybe this is why there's like secret societies. Maybe that's why the Freemasons existed and that's why the intelligence community existed because people figured out that midwits, people with IQs of 100 or lower, can't all handle the truth because they just totally, when you tell them the truth, they respond the wrong way. It's like Plato's allegory of the cave, right? You can go and see the light, but when you try to come back to a bunch of idiots in the cave and explain to them what the light is, they just don't get it. There's cognitive dissonance. They snap. They can't handle it. So maybe that's why we have secret societies in this country. Maybe that's why in this world, in this nation, for hundreds of years, we've had a group of people who have tried to perceive and approach enlightenment, and they've had to keep it all a secret because they knew that they were going to get burned at the stake if they expressed what was actually going on. Maybe that's why Galileo faced so much persecution for figuring out that the earth wasn't the center of the universe. Maybe that's why Sir Isaac Newton kept a lot of his alchemy secret because he was smarter than everybody else, and he just knew that the mainstream people wouldn't be able to understand. Maybe that's why time and time again we see brilliant people with brilliant discoveries and we see them hung on crosses, burned at stakes, hung from gallows or stoned to death. Because after all, it doesn't seem like the masses can actually handle the truth. It doesn't seem like the masses can take in a piece of information that was formerly reserved for the enlightened who really looked for it. Information like, hey, 9-11 was an inside job. Maybe the masses really can't handle that type of information because they'll come out and say that ISIS is good all of a sudden. Maybe the intelligence community was right after all. Maybe lying about 9-11 was a necessary lie in order to keep people from responding in the most idiotic way imaginable. Maybe that's why they lie and they cover up the JFK assassination. Maybe they realize that if Israel is in our national security interest in the region because of the global reserve currency, we have to protect their reputation in the international platform because maybe if the people realize that they were behind the assassination of JFK, then the response would just be global anti-Semitism. And so that's why they keep it a secret. It's unfortunate that we have dumbed down our people to such an extent that we have beaten them into such a submissive, stupid state of mind that we've sort of stunted their growth and maturity as individuals to the point where they can't even handle the truth. It's like taking a 12-year-old to an R-rated movie. They're just not ready for it, right? The problem is our 30-year-olds are acting like 12-year-olds People who are supposed to be adults are acting like children. There was a time in this country where 16-year-olds were storming the beach at Normandy, but now we can't even get a 27-year-old to show up for work after a tragedy happens overseas because they need a mental health day. How is it that we're ever supposed to enlighten the world? How is it that platforms like Infowars.com are supposed to tell the truth to a people if a people just doesn't really have the stomach to handle it? Can you handle it? Because it's complicated, folks, and you have to have a little bit of intellectual toughness to be enlightened. You have to be ready for it, folks. It's hard to, ha- it's hard to carry. The satanic New World Order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. But the trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith and we put our trust We put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us? 
have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalist at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. How you get so much favor on your side? Accept the measure, Lord and Savior, I replied. That's your love, that neighbor, not the bad. Let's run uh, Clip 21 here in a minute. So we see this conflict escalating. We were talking in the last segment about how when one side does something evil, then our default as human beings is just to say that the other side then is inherently good. And that's often not the case. Let's run clip 21 and just take, for example, what's going on with Palestine. This is Palestine speaking at the UN just recently. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is actually the first request for the right of reply to what the United States just said. Mr. Chair, the United States does not get to pretend that it stands with the Palestinian civilians in Gaza. It does not get to pretend this when the United States has just approved an additional $14.5 billion military aid package to Israel as Israel pummels Palestinian civilians to the ground, most of them refugees and children. The U.S. is also planning to send $320 million in precision bombs to Israel, according to the Wall Street Journal. Can the United States explain how this is in line with any of its obligations under international humanitarian law and human rights law, let alone its commitments under the political declaration on, the explosive, on explosive weapons in populated areas. It is unsurprising that the stock prices of weapons manufacturers have skyrocketed over the recent period and continue to rise as Israel bombards Gaza. For example, the market value of the biggest U.S. weapons manufacturers increased by over $23 billion after the 7th of October. And it is undeniable that the United States profits from war throughout its entire history. There are only 15 years in which the United States has not been at war with another country. Let that sink in. 15 years only in the United States' entire history. But no one, neither Israel nor the United States, nor arms, nor arms manufacturers should be allowed to profit from the killing or maiming of Palestinian civilians. So no, you do not get to stay, you stand with Palestinian civilians until you stop sending arms to Israel as it commits genocide. Thank you. All right. So obviously she's got a couple of points there. We can't claim to be advocates for civilians, civilian rights, or humanitarian causes if we're arming the oppressor that is carpet bombing a region. Pretty good point. But at the same token, then, how can Palestine or Hamas claim to be advocates for humanitarian rights or humanitarian issues when they're literally attacking 
innocent people at a festival on October 7th, slaughtering as many as they can that can be seen anywhere, and then taking hostages the rest and then raping and murdering even more than that. And they claim that there's a humanitarian crisis when Israel is carpet bombing and even killing its own hostages through the carpet bombing. But the fact of the matter is those are hostages that were taken by Palestine. So neither side is good here. Both sides really suck. It's just, it's just that simple. Israel's carpet bombing a region, killing innocent people. It knows innocent people are dying. Hamas committed a terrorist attack on the 7th, um, among others over the years. It took hostages and puts themselves intentionally in the region of civilians so that civilians die. They both suck. It's so easy just to say, you guys are both wrong. It's not one side that's good and infallible and the other side is terrible. It doesn't mean because Israel does something evil that we should all convert to Islam now. It doesn't mean that because Islam leads to radical terrorism that we should all just support blindly the government of Israel either. They're both obviously wrong. And now we have such cognitive dissonance, such morons responding to this conflict that we see in clip 14, the controversy of Palestinian flags now being flown over high schools in Oakdale, California. Go ahead and run this. Between Israel and Hamas is hitting home for students and parents at a school in Oakland. As KTV's Tom Vekar reports, the controversy involves a Palestinian flag on campus. On Tuesday, Oakland freelance reporter Zach Haber posted this picture of a Palestinian flag flying over Oakland's Fremont High School courtyard. Now, it's not clear who put it up there or for how long, but many Palestinians consider this flag a symbol of their identity and freedom. By Wednesday, the flag was gone. But we saw some pointed social media comments such as, and people wonder why Jewish families don't feel safe in OUSD right now. Shira, a parent of Israeli Arab ethnicity, has a son in seventh grade in the Oakland Unified School District. Our students are struggling to keep up after COVID with their math and their reading, and I don't understand why this is such an issue here. And if it was about peace, there would have been an Israeli flag and a peace sign as well. And the flag that was way up in the air? It causes real damage on the ground to the students and that it causes more divisiveness and puts our children in harm's way. We already have to deal with violence on school campuses, and now we're going to get into geopolitical conflict. Zoya Vase is a Walnut Creek mom with six children and stepchildren whose family migrated from Russia to flee anti-Semitism there. It is very clear when you fly a Palestinian flag over a public school that you are taking a stance. If they were taking a humanitarian approach and their resolutions and their thoughts and their ideas were around bringing home hostages, were around peace as a whole in the region, that would be one thing. But they're clearly taking a stand. Another post, you rarely see the American flag in classrooms and the teachers on the American dream. In fact, neither school flagpole that we saw had the American flag, though California law requires it during school hours, weather permitting. To see that one-sided response and to have the, an educational foundation behind it and to have it be, you know, driven as a, hey, this is, this, is a, this is what we want to teach the next generation. Our messages to the public information officer of the Oakland Unified School District, despite being placed early in the day, went unanswered. Tom Vakar, KTVU Fox 2 News. So 
let's just assume that Israel's wrong here. Let's assume that Israel's really carpet bombing a bunch of innocent people. Let's assume all of the worst, that Israel knew this attack was going to happen on the 7th, allowed it to happen in order to justify totally annexing the region, and that they are oppressing the Palestinian people. Let's just assume that's the case. Why is it that the correct interpretation of that would be to fly a Palestinian flag when we know that Hamas is a terror organization, when we know that the leaders of Hamas and Hezbollah have explicitly called for the rallying of all Jews in Israel so they can be wiped out all at once? Osama bin Laden, anti-Semitism in a viral tweet, why TikTok is facing the biggest threat we see TikTok executives have rushed to respond to what they view as an inaccurate and unfair narrative about its content, citing anti-Israel posts that surfaced on TikTok since the Gaza conflict began and a decades-old Osama bin Laden letter that circulated this week. Washington lawmakers have renewed calls to ban the app in the U.S. Let's go ahead and run that clip of what I posted to see what they banned me for saying on TikTok in response. You promised the American people, you promised me personally, that you would release the classified documents around the JFK assassination. And what Trump said to Judge Napolitano was, if you had seen what I saw, you wouldn't release the classified documents either. And I'm thinking to myself, what could Trump possibly have seen that would keep him from releasing these classified documents? We know that he's come out against the swamp. We know he's brazenly antagonistic to the swamp. Why would he care about releasing the classified documents unless it had something to do with Israel's nuclear proliferation? Because if the documents came out and it became public knowledge that Israel was responsible for the assassination or in part responsible or complicit in the assassination of the president of the United States, then suddenly there would be a political uprising against any support for Israel today. So TikTok took that clip down largely because of this backlash against the platform for any criticism of Israel being allowed. We're just seeing this escalate, folks. This is only the beginning. More on the other side. Thanksgiving 2023 is here, and I'm giving Thanksgiving for all we've done against tyranny and your incredible support together in this fight. And I'm particularly giving Thanksgiving that X2, our number one product, the only true atomic iodine on the market after a year plus of being sold out, is finally back in stock, ready to ship now. If you don't know the power of X2 and the iodine conspiracy, you are insane. Get X2 now. It could be the last run ever we get shut down. While you still can, at InfoWarsStore.com. Research iodine deficiency and billions of people with cognitive disabilities because they don't have it. X2, X2, X2 is now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Takes a few weeks to kick in, but it is the building block to everything. It's the missing link. They bomb us with the fluoride that is in the same family, but has the opposite effect. This is the holy grail of supplements and empowering yourself. X2, back in stock right now. Discount at InfoWarsStore.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. Chase Geyser presents the American Journal, capturing the spirit of the times on Infowars. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We're going to start taking calls in the next hour. I'm not ready to put out the number just yet. The next segment, we'll throw it out. So there's some new developments going on in the way of OpenAI. And frankly, I got to tell you, I got to tell you guys, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving variables. And I haven't 100% put my finger on what's really happening. I'm hearing rumors, reports, 
But overall, we know the general story of OpenAI. We know that OpenAI was established as this open source path to artificial general intelligence. It was founded as a nonprofit with the mission of establishing artificial intelligence for the public in a democratized fashion. It was going to reveal to the world its algorithms. It was going to be open source the whole time. It was going to show everyone what it was doing, how it was doing it, so that artificial intelligence would be in the hands of the many as opposed to just a few select corporations or government entities. Elon Musk was involved at the very beginning of this rise to power, this organization that ultimately catalyzed the creation of ChatGPT, the most groundbreaking artificial intelligence development in the private sector that we know of. But over time, this organization became less and less nonprofit, less and less open source, and more and more corporate. And eventually, Elon Musk left the organization because ultimately it failed to uphold its initial mission. It changed its mission. It switched from a nonprofit to a for-profit. And we saw that it took in as much as $100 billion from Microsoft to fund its development of artificial intelligence. And the reason Microsoft is so interested in this technology is because Microsoft has been trying to compete with Google for years in the world of search. It's been trying to compete against Google's search engine with things like Bing. And Bing, of course, failed compared to Google. It did not take the market share they wanted it to take. It did not generate the ad revenue they wanted it to generate. So Microsoft, thinking that artificial intelligence would be the future of search, that people 10 years from now or five years from now or even two years from now won't even use search engines, but instead will rely on AI assistance to do all of their search for them, invested $100 billion and their infrastructure in open AI, essentially buying it, not actually owning it, legally, but buying so much influence that they can pretty much dictate and determine what it does. And that's sort of at the point where Musk is like, I'm out. You guys are not doing open source anymore. You've obviously sold out to corporate interests and I am out. And we know that Elon Musk allegedly purchased Twitter because he believes in freedom of speech. And I believe that he does believe in freedom of speech mostly. Obviously, he's not perfect. Alex Jones and InfoWars, this network, are not allowed on the platform. So that is something to be had of a qualm with him. But that being said, he said it was all about freedom of speech. And I think in part it was, but I think the real reason he bought Twitter was because he wanted to establish his own artificial intelligence. And it was released this year, just a couple of weeks ago, Grok. G-R-O-K. This is X's form of artificial intelligence. I predicted this. I believe the first time I was ever on as a guest on the Alex Jones show. You can go back and find the clip. I don't even remember when it was. Months and months and months and months ago. And I said that the real reason that Elon Musk bought Twitter was to establish his AI. And he needs to have freedom of speech on the platform to as much of an extent as possible. Because if you want to create an unbiased artificial intelligence, then you have to have an unbiased data set to feed into the algorithm, to teach the algorithm. So that once you set up this algorithm, this this formula, this code for how this artificial intelligence is going to work, you have to feed it with data that's unbiased. If you feed it with only left-wing data like ChatGPT did, then you're only going to get left-wing responses. You're going to get the refusal to answer obvious questions like the nature of COVID-19, whether it came from Wuhan lab or what happened with the JFK assassination or what happened on 9-11. It's always going to have disclaimers. It's always going to say the politically correct thing and you're not going to get accurate information. 
So in order to build an AI with accurate information, you have to have an unbiased data set. That's why he made Twitter a free speech platform. That's why he bought Twitter was so he could create Grok and democratize artificial intelligence. Because Elon Musk, if he's afraid of anything, he's afraid of what artificial general intelligence can do to the world. And so the only way to stop this is if we democratize artificial intelligence, because if only major corporations in cahoots with the government have control over artificial intelligence, then that is, again, the 21st century version of the monopoly on the political narrative that the intelligence community had over the second half of the 20th century. Instead of worrying about controlling mass media outlets like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, any of these major networks, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and others... Instead of worrying about controlling all the big tech platforms like Google, YouTube, Twitter, X, whatever, Instagram, Facebook, any of the others, they can simply have a monopoly on artificial intelligence. And if everyone is relying on artificial intelligence for all of their experiences, all of their search results, then not only can we control through this artificial intelligence what information is given to people when they query or use the tool, but we can also control the psychological way in which this artificial intelligence can manipulate the psyche of the people. This being a great threat to humanity, to freedom itself, inspired Elon Musk to purchase X despite the fact that it was losing money, despite the fact that he hyper overpaid for it so that he could create this opposing artificial intelligence grok that would be democratized as a competitor to this open AI in an effort to ensure freedom of speech and freedom of thought would exist into the 21st century. And now we see that Sam Altman has been Fired from OpenAI in what is perceived to be a spontaneous move. It's very bizarre that this is happening. We're seeing reports that this train wreck situation, Sam Altman joins Microsoft as OpenAI taps ex-Twitch CEO, which is very bizarre. We know Twitch is all about censorship. They've taken down person after person for broadcasting any sort of controversial content. But the fact that Sam Altman would go to Microsoft is very, very, very interesting because after all, Microsoft is the biggest investor, I believe, in open AI. And so if Sam Altman has a leadership role at Microsoft and Microsoft is the number one sort of client of open AI, then doesn't, doesn't that mean that Sam Altman would still, in effect, be the leader of open AI because he'd be able to sort of bully and whip him around? Microsoft shares climbed 2.7% in pre-market trading, approaching a new record high following the announcement that OpenAI co-founders Sam Altman and Greg Brockman will head a new cutting-edge AI research division for the tech giant. This development is particularly surprising given that Altman was dismissed from OpenAI just last week with Emmett Shear, the co-founder of Twitch, a video streaming platform, stepping in as the interim CEO overnight, according to the Wall Street Journal. But we do have this new report that OpenAI board attempts to hit Control-Z in talks with Altman to return as CEO. They're trying to undo firing him. Because now they know he's going to Microsoft, he's going to wind up being their boss anyway. This was a major sort of faux pas mistake that they made. And so maybe they're trying to bring him back. This is where I don't know what's going on. Obviously, there's some sort of major upheaval going on. Just over a day since the surprise firing of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman that sent shockwaves through the tech industry, the OpenAI board is reportedly engaging in discussion with Altman to potentially return as chief executive of the company, according to The Verge, citing people familiar with the matter. Yella says that Altman is ambivalent about returning and would want significant changes to how the company is run. So he's going to come back in a Steve Jobs fashion under his own terms. His contract, his prior contract is null and void now that he's been fired. So he's going to be able to negotiate a new contract. He's going to have total control over how this company is run then moving forward, just like Steve Jobs did when he came back after they mistakenly let him go and almost went under as a result. 
So I don't know if Altman's one of the good guys or one of the bad guys. I don't know how tight he is with Musk. I don't know whether or not he's responsible for this sort of covert operation of OpenAI and ChatGPT. I've listened to some of his interviews. He's clearly a brilliant man. Whether he's good or not is another matter altogether. He's certainly a brilliant man who knows what he's talking about in terms of AI, the risks associated with AI, and the excitement and benefits associated with AI. But it seems to me that in light of this advent of Grok... X's competitor to OpenAI, this might have something to do with his firing. I wonder if Sam Altman is covertly operating behind closed doors with Elon Musk because he believes in the initial mission of OpenAI for open source AI. I wonder if he was disappointed in the way things were going at OpenAI. After all, it was a nonprofit, so it had a board of directors. I wonder if the politics of generating the most dangerous and beneficial technology in the history of mankind was so much that he worked covertly behind the scenes to help Musk develop Grok, leaking trade secrets to Musk to help develop the most sophisticated alternative or competitor to OpenAI, was caught for it and then fired for it at OpenAI, and now they want him back because the backlash is even worse. I think there is some serious, serious conspiracy going on here, folks, and I'm excited to see how this develops. Stay with us, folks. More on the other side. Visit InfoWarsStore.com today. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed, dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. If you ever take one piece of my advice, it's get a bottle of X2. It's been sold out for over a year because we wouldn't cut corners and because it's so hard to produce. We finally have a limited run back in supply at InfoWarsStore.com. So many people have serious issues. Look at the UN's own numbers. Billions have cognitive disabilities because they do not have true nascent iodine in their bodies. Most of the other iodine is bound to other heavy metals or bound to other elements so you don't download it. But this is pure atomic certified iodine. X2 is now back in stock, discounted. So I'm giving Thanksgiving right now for this product being here. It funds the info war. But I guarantee you, you take this for a few weeks, you will feel the difference. It is amazing. It's the missing link. X2, back in stock at the end of 2023 at InfoWarsStore.com. X2. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Now we're coming back after this break with phone calls. And as you can tell, I'm resting. Hello. Call me. Hello. Eight seven 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 eight nine two five three nine. We're in. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello. 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 Hello.
Again, that's 877-789-2539. We will be taking your calls throughout the third hour. I'm going to let the screeners get some of these inbound calls and do this segment. And then at the top of the hour, we'll start taking those calls. So call in 877-789-2539. Finally, that's 877-789-2539. So we've got report after report here on the desk of Biden just getting sort of murdered in this in this case, in this candidacy. Obama's 2008 guru, David Axelrod, warns Joe Biden is in big trouble ahead of the 2024 election. So David Axelrod, if you don't know, is like the Karl Rove of the left. He got Obama elected in 2008. And if he's saying that you're not going to win, you should really listen because despite what you think about his politics, despite what you think about the things that he says, he is a genius at campaigns. He's like the Rommel of campaigning, right? I mean, he's not infallible. Rommel, of course, wasn't infallible. Patton certainly showed him a thing or two in World War II. But this guy is not to be underestimated. He knows how to win campaigns. He knows how to frame narratives. He knows how this whole entire political thing works. And moreover, he knows how it works in the context of social media today. He was famous for being the tip of the spear in terms of using social media to win campaigns in 2008. This guy is not to be underestimated, folks. And if he's saying that Biden is in big trouble, the left listens, or at least they should listen. Because he's very, very smart. David Axelrod shared his analysis on the poll published on November 5th, which showed the president 80 years old now behind Trump in five of six key battleground states. He claimed the data will send tremors of doubt through the Democratic Party and added Biden needs to decide whether running is in the country's best interests. Biden reportedly called Obama's former advisor a prick for questioning whether he should run again in 2024. But the fact of the matter is the guy's being honest and he actually thinks the Democrats are the best shot for the country. He's an avowed Democrat. I don't don't even doubt really his character, to be honest with you. I just think that he's wrong because I am able to think that maybe people on the left actually have the best intentions sometimes. And I've seen Axelrod interviews. I've seen his masterclass with Karl Rove where they sat together and talked about how campaigns are won and lost. And I don't get the sense from this man that he's an evil man. I think that he obviously got an evil man elected, Obama. But he could have been tricked. And I think that he's right. And so for Biden to call him a prick is really just an example of Biden's lack of character here. You know, the way to respond to this is to come out and say, look, I respect David Axelrod. He's a genius in terms of campaign victories. And we're going to do everything we can to get him on our side because we believe that the future of this country is dependent upon a Biden victory in 2024. There's ways to politically say, Axelrod, shut up. Come on our side. We need you. And say he just calls him a prick. And that's just because he's delusional. He's in denial that he sucks. Biden can't admit that he's wrong about everything, that he's lied about everything, that he's the most terrible president we've ever had in the history of the United States of America since Franklin Pierce, if not worse than Franklin Pierce. He's intentionally sold us out, covered up crimes, whether it's his own son's abuse of another underage minor relative or whether it is the money laundering, Metabiota, of course, being one of 
the examples of millions of dollars being funneled from the taxpayer to a company in which Rosemont Seneca was invested in, all while Hunter Biden and Joe Biden shared a bank account. This guy is totally corrupt. He's totally dishonest. He's totally incompetent. Not only is he evil, but he's dumb. Not only is he dumb, but he's evil. And he's losing, and Axelrod's calling him on it because all the polls show that everyone's sick of his crap. Despite the fact that he says everything is doing great, people feel what it's like to go to the grocery store. They feel what it's like not to be able to buy a house or to miss mortgage payments. They feel what it's like to have record levels of credit card debt. Bankruptcy's up 20%. Mortgage rates at 8% for homes now. And you can't lie away the pain that people feel. You can't yell at somebody in the hospital with a broken ankle saying your ankle doesn't hurt your ankle doesn't hurt because frankly it still hurts because it's broken bro so we got axelrod there then we got angeron's co-judge law clerk allison greenfield attending anti-trump events endorsing biden and tish james spurred on by impeachment leader dan goldman so we had this corruption in these courts everybody knows that these courts are kangaroo courts against donald trump we've got donald trump opening up stunning 39 point leads over ron DeSantis and gop rivals home state of florida And we've got new polls showing that Biden's standing hits new lows amid Israel-Hamas war. Basically, nobody's supporting this president anymore. Everybody's supporting Trump, and they are acting like there isn't even a problem. And I think it all comes down to the fact that Biden is not an America first person. I mean, we're going to look at clip 10 here in a second. Biden has repeatedly been pro-replacement migration. We see that the borders are open for a reason. The intelligence community wants terrorists to come into this country so that they can have a terrorist event that would catalyze World War III, which is what they want. Let's see what Biden says here in clip 10 about replacement migration. An unrelenting stream of immigration, nonstop, nonstop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. Not only do we see our entire culture being replaced by foreign interests, foreigners coming in across the border illegally, the likes of 10 million people since Biden took office, but we see this climate change religion coming out as well. The climate change religion, how long before human sacrifices? This is a great article here on Infowars.com. Of course, a reasonable concern to avoid pollution and preserve our natural resources and a responsible matter is a commendable ethical position. We should always take care of the environment, be responsible for its protection, and at the same time, help the poor. But we see that as the Mayans sacrificed babies for the sake of weather, we see that our economies, our culture are constantly being sacrificed for the interests of this climate change initiative. And we know that it doesn't impact first world countries. We know that these climate change initiatives actually don't impact the United States or other major superpowers that much. They primarily impact third world countries. EU calls on China to stop building coal plants and contribute to a climate fund for poor nations as if that's ever going to happen. The European Union's top climate officials say that China should stop building new coal-fired power plants and contribute to a global fund to help poor countries affected by climate change. But the greatest impact on these poor countries is not the climate change itself, but these climate change policies, which which shut down the cheapest, most efficient way for them to get power, which is fossil fuels. 
And we see here reports from Infowars.com that family businesses can't afford to lose access to reliable electricity. We see that the narrative is coming out that we're in the brink of collapse of our civilization because of these solar flares that are happening, as if an internet outage or power outages are going to be as a result of these solar flares, when we know that it's more likely to be a result of a cyber attack from Iran or China. We know that a couple of weeks ago, a majority of, or a, a, a vast number of, rather, Fortune 500 companies failed to make payroll because the banks had some sort of a technical issue. Several of the major banks were unable to make automatic direct deposits for the like of, likes of Deloitte and others, despite the fact that there was enough money in the accounts. It wasn't like these companies failed to have enough money in reserves to pay the payroll. But the banks simply failed, and they never said why. That story just totally disappeared, and it's because... The banks failed because they were attacked in a cyber attack. There was a targeted cyber attack by either Iran or China or both against our banking system as a sort of FU in response to this Israel-Palestine conflict. We know that Iran is funded by China, and we know that Iran funded Hamas and trained Hamas. We know that there is a clear line from China through Iran, through Hamas, in support of Palestine versus Israel. We know that this antagonism for or against Israel is international in nature and this attack was a cyber attack saying hey you want you really want to do this you really want to do this world war three three thing and so in response to this cyber attack we first act like nothing ever happened we act like it was some sort of a technical glitch to cover for that and then we prep the world and the nation for future internet outages and power outages by citing things like climate change and solar flares when we know the real culprit behind something like that such events like that would be none other than china and iran so we're on the brink of World War III, started because of the incompetence of this presidency, and we're already preparing psychologically the minds of the American people to be prepared for major cataclysmal events, and we're going to say that it's because of a natural disaster? We're going to blame it on solar flares or climate change when it's very obvious that it's actually going to be a cyber attack from either China or Iran? It's absolutely stick sick stuff, folks. Stay with us. We're going to be taking your calls in the next segment. Make sure you call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. Open lines today. Let me know what's on your mind. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. The satanic New World Order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. Trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith, and we put our trust, and we put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us? 